calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Find us at Toddcast Podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, taking some time this morning to hang out and join the Toddcast here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And, uh, and I'm wondering, like, how do we, how have we never, like, I know for sure we have mutual friends. Like, how have we never met? Sure. I mean, I was on, so I was on Pulse 107 for like three years. So I was with, um, oh God, Leah Halive. You probably know Leah. And then- yeah. So, um, who was her morning show? All of a sudden, he's escaped me. I think I know who he'd be. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm. There's a one guy that passed away. There was a one guy that passed away. He was older. He had um, uh, he had cancer. What was his name? Oh, my God. They're totally names are saving me. That's who I was on with first. And then the second guy was a tall guy. He no longer is in radio anymore. He's totally gone out. He lives in White Rock. But he was on for years and years, too. Because you do radio as well. Or you did radio. Oh, I did radio, yeah. For, yeah, so you would know both of them. You know, If you know Leah, then you'd know who. Yeah, of course I know Leah, yeah. So yeah. How, how did you like radio? How did you like working I loved uh, it. At, at I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I didn't like Pulse. I mean, Pulse was. <laughs> but I think the, the experience I had... Um, it was such a great learning experience, right? Like, they didn't pay me. I And I got them business because I basically had... Um, nature's fair signed into a commercial contract with them so then they did nature's fair covered my segments and also so we did a, a bit every day for ten, five, like two seconds actually sorry 30 seconds a 30 second advertisement and it'd be sponsored by nature's fair but i brought nature's fair to the table because i have a relationship with all the stores so that worked really well and then i went on every wednesday so and i brought, they legitimately didn't pay you oh no no <laughs> and that but in that sounds like in, radio yeah, but in that I know, but in that too, I mean, I got, I received such great, it was just such a great learning experience in the sense of um, learning to talk on radio, learning to enunciate words, doing all that, just all the stuff I even do now when I do public speaking or when I do anything on my social channels, um, having that ability to, yeah, just to, it, it all kind of adds up to the stuff that I've done. I'd love to go back and have something. I mean, I don't have time right now. 
I probably could make time. I, I think about it. I'm like, how did I even have time back then? Like I wrote everything. I drive in once a week. I like record everything. And then I do the show and I'm like, and we do like 15 minute shows. So it'd be in-depth conversations about, and I'd give them questions and I'm like, oh my God, how did I do that? You know, how did I have time for that? And I drove all the way to White Rock every single time. So yep. I didn't burn to be, I'm like, what the hell? Um, but I think there's an opportunity still. I think having like a wellness is such a top of mind thing, having, you know, some sort of segment on some radio show where it's like a five minute, like wellness blurb every, you know. Sure. So, so what, what eats up your time like now then? Oh, Aaron wellness for sure. Yeah. Right. So we have the product lines. We have 13 SKUs. We have two more launching next month. I'm in sold in about 500 retailers across Canada. Um, so like whole foods, nature's fair, all those guys. And then wow. we also branched into the States. So I'm launching my fifth SKU on amazon.com. And right now I just finished the Tradex, um, the uh, the Vancouver Board of Trade Tradex course, because I'm already on Amazon down there, but it's, you're just a blip in a sea of unregulated supplements, which is such a joke because um, their supplements are not regulated at all. Like I've always told people, like I would not buy American supplements. You couldn't pay me to take an American supplement because you have no idea what's in it. Oh yeah, it's not. Mm. No, Canada is where you want to buy your supplements. That's where the regulation is, which we're also under um, a huge cost recovery that the government of Canada is trying to put through, Health Canada, which is going to drastically in decrease the amount of availability we have of supplements. And it's going to increase cost for Canadians. It's quite scary what they're doing. Mm. Um, so in that, uh, what we've decided to do after doing this thing is I'm going to start, I'm going to get a distributor in California. So I've just reached out and talked to somebody and kind of do more of that aspect. So I'm in retail and then online. So you can give yourself more exposure. So, hmm. so it's just, uh, I'm constantly speaking and I go to the Island this week and I'm speaking in Coquitlam this week and talking to wow. women of perimenopause and health and wellness. And, um, and it's not just take my supplements as much as I want them to. It, it really, if you are, if your body is not doing well, if you're like not healthy, if your periods are off, if you're, if you're overweight as well, this is going to greatly impact you as you get older. And I'm not saying you have to be a certain size or anything along those lines, but you have to, you should, everybody should be lifting heavy weights. Weight bearing exercises is essential for our musculoskeletal system and also type two diabetes, dementia, like all these different things. And there's going to be a huge demographic of us in the next, you know, 10, 15 years. And if we're not taking care of some of the signs that are happening now, it's going to be, yeah, it's not going to be fun. I'm taking care of my 72 year old dad and he has dementia and I deal with all his stuff and my mom and they're not together. My mom has aged in a spectacular manner, right? She's taking ongoing university courses. She plays pickleball. She does book clubs. She does. She is exactly how I want to age. And then I have a parent on the other side who has made very different choices and he is now dealing with the repercussions. So when I do these talks to women, as much as I want them to buy my vitamins, I'm like, if you can lift heavy weights, take anything in this conversation tonight, lift heavy weights, start having more protein, really start paying attention to the signs your body is telling you even in your thirties and forties, because it's going to, it goes by so fast. And before we know oh, it, yeah. right. Yeah. It does go by fast. And before you know it, you're going to be like 67 years old with mobility issues and you can't have be, you have no autonomy and you have to rely on your kids to help you. And that's a really shitty position to put them in when they're trying to raise their kids, right? The sandwich generation that ends up happening where your kids are trying to raise their kids and all of a sudden they have you and you've kind of fallen apart because you didn't take action and start taking care of your health. So mm -hmm. that's a huge, huge mission 
um, of mine when I do my talks. That's what I really, really resonate with is trying to get people to eat better, lift heavy weights, take Mm -hmm. care of themselves, you know, so. I mean, you say like lift heavy weights, like that could literally be just your your own body weight. It doesn't need to necessarily be like go and lift like 120 pounds and you know, yeah. you're like your body weight is heavy. Like you go yeah, do some push-ups, go do some sit-ups and see how yeah, you feel. For like, sure. And I think if it's somebody who's a very beginner, I was talking to another lady and I mean, I train every day. I train at five o'clock and I go to the gym every day. I lift wow. heavy. I did squats today. It was leg day today. Uh, and I've always, I've lifted since I was 16. My dad was a bodybuilder when I was younger, compared like hobbyist bodybuilder. So I've always. Interesting that he was a bodybuilder and I yet know. he fucking went down that path. Like, well, see, what? my dad also, my dad, also, so the past, we think when he lived alone, he really isolated himself. He drank excessively, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that was a big part of it. He smokes a lot of pot, but he's very secluded. He has no friends. He like doesn't want friends. He's, I just put him back in touch with his family, right? So he was like, I am his friend. I talk to him every morning at 7 a.m. Like, right? Are you okay? How are you doing? Like, so that is a big proponent or component of health and wellness. And that's why we have five pillars with my brand. And it's the thoughts you think, because I don't care how much ashwagandha you take. If you're in a fear-based negative state of mind, you're still going to be fucking stressed. The friends you keep, <laughs> so true, huh? you have to have support. You have to have people that are your lifelines, people that you do things with, people that are encouraging you that you're, you know, like my mom has her group of friends and they do all their things together. And tra- that stuff is so important, right? The food you eat, then movement, and then supplementation. And that's when supplementation can actually do its job for you is when you're you know, combining all of these together. And that's kind of the, that's the brand mission. And that's where I do all my talks weave through that too. I go through all those different things. Right. So, but yeah, with him, he isolated himself. I think that's a big part of it. He stopped reading. He stopped, you know, he just didn't, he had two degrees. He was a smart man. I think it's his own insecurities personally um, that kept him kind of more trapped. Right. And I think guys experience that a little bit more than women because we tend to be more, we tend to have our gaggle of girlfriends that we talk to and guys tend to, and especially if a guy is single and when a guy gets older, when he's single, they be, they're more isolated. Right. And it becomes a little bit more scary because all of a sudden they're really by themselves and they don't have that group of people. If, especially if, you know, if they're in a church, that might be a different situation. Cause then you have that community, but if you don't have community and there's a lot of, I think, older guys that are, don't have community. And I think that's where you see, especially with him and community does everything. I mean, you know, whether you're going for a coffee with your friends and venting, it makes all the difference in the world. So I think that was part of his stuff. Mm. And in that I'm the one who now takes care of him. Like literally he was in the hospital for 10. I do everything for him, bills, everything, everything, grocery shopping, everything. So it's, um, so in that, that's a lot of work there too. Holy crap. Yeah. Cause my brothers are both my one brother's at McGill and the other one's in Bangkok and they're both profs, but so it's law and me. Right. And, and that's okay. Like I, you know, I can handle, I was talking to his nurse the other day. He was in the hospital for 10 days and she goes, you're very high, high functioning, aren't you? And I'm like, just a bit, you can say so. I'm like, she's like, holy shit. I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but I'm going to take it. Take yeah, yeah, yeah. My ego can take it as like high functioning. So yeah. Wow. What is the, what's the wildest thing you've heard about like mental disorders that is absolute garbage and bullshit? Um, oh geez. I think I, I just find, I find it interesting. I don't even know if there's, I think that's a tough subject because it's hard because it's so individual, right? Depends what the person's trauma has gone through as a child. I think one of the big things that I hope in the next bit, our medical system will start looking at a little bit more is 
is the fact that a lot of, you know, mental health, we have to look at the stuff that happened. Gabriel Meche talks a lot about this, right? The trauma that happened when you were a kid, right? In the womb, even, right? That cortisol level, if your mom was in a constant state of fight or flight when you were in womb, that can affect you and how your cortisol responds when you get into fight or flight situations. And all of that is so interconnected. And so I think we need to, instead of just always bandaging, bandaging things and, um, and giving antidepressants, and there is a place for it. I'm a very big advocate for the medical system as well. I'm not an anti-medicine, anti-vax person. There's a place for it. So whatever works for you. But I think I think we need to start looking a little deeper sometimes, right? Instead of looking at what's actually really gone on. Because, you know, I was watching this show years ago when COVID was going on and there was all the, it was death row and they had all the inmates on death row. And like 99.9% of death row um, inmates were sexually molested, came from horrible, traumatic, you know, you, in instances as children, you look at these little two-year-olds and that wasn't their trajectory, but they weren't given even an opportunity. Like they just, uh, you're put in a situation where you were, you know, molested and beaten and all these things. And then you expect somebody to turn out differently, right? When that's, when they know no better. So I think um, looking at past traumas, I think is something that I think it's slowly beginning to evolve too. And even when it comes to addiction, like, what are you feeling? What's going on? I was bulimic for 25 years. I battled with that. And we have addiction in our family, but in that food was my, my comfort, right? It was my one thing that was always there for me. And I think everybody has something really <laughs> the most part. <laughs> and when you really begin to kind of do a little work, you're like, oh, okay, I see what I'm doing here, right? This is something that's soothing me. This is something that's comforting me. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I think when it comes to mental health, possibly looking more at that, and there probably are some great doctors working within that. I'm not a special specialist in mental health by any capacity. So. Yeah. And how long have you been past uh, eating disorders? Um, let's see. So I had, I had my kind of aha moment. I think it was about 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was, that was really the catalyst. You know, I'd been in the supplement industry for 20 years and I had been a holistic nutritionist. I worked with women. I was really good at giving advice, not so good sometimes at taking it myself. Mm -hmm. And I had started at like 14. Uh, my parents put me in Weight Watchers at 13. I was a really big kid. I was homeschooled because I was teased so much. My mom now, in retrospect, looks back and she's just mortified with the whole Weight Watchers thing. But she was like trying to help me. And she thought, well, this would be great. Sure. Um, and so I kind of had my aha moment about 12 years ago where I went and I went to purge and my daughter knocked on the door. And so when I kind of caught myself and I was like, holy shit, and she would have been about two or three, and I saw myself in the mirror. I was like, if I don't get a grip on this, this is going to be her. She's going to have the same food issues I have because she's going to watch me and not necessarily know what I'm doing, but watching this binging mentality with food and this lack of control and this lack of um, being able to enjoy food and then put it down, right? And having a healthy relationship with it. And so that's when I really began peeling back the layers. And I, my mom was a counselor at the time. So I worked with her. I changed the way I took certain foods out of my house, like trigger foods. It's just like an alcoholic, right? You don't have alcohol in your house. I didn't have cake batter. I didn't have certain things that I always loved that would trigger me for a binge. Because mm. you always carbohydrate rich foods. I took those out for a long time. And um, I worked through it for, took me a couple of years. And then that's when I came up with my five pillars as well, right? So it's not just because it's really, you know, the thoughts you think cognitive behavioral therapy was a really big part of my healing. And that's the thoughts you think. So if I'm constantly thinking in a negative state of mind when it comes to food, or 
if I'm, you know, if I have this, I don't deserve it. I like this narrative that will end up spinning. I have to be able to catch that. And I heard a really great quote the other day and I absolutely love it. She said, I can't control the first thought I have, but I can control the second, right? Because our mind has 90,000 90, thoughts a day. Our mind comes, comes to us. 70,000, they say, are the exact same thought from the day before. When you actually now today, you're going to be like, holy shit, I am thinking the same thing over and over again. <laughs> right? so, and they say like 80% of those are negative, like negative mm. thoughts about ourselves, right? So I love that where it's like the first thought is like, because your mind's just constantly popping stuff. You can't control that one, but you can either choose to dwell on it and continue doing this or be like, no, that's not, that's not what I'm choosing. This is what I'm choosing. And I knew, and that's what I had to really do when it came to my eating disorders, constantly shift like a muscle, like working out. Interesting. In that's, that, remember when, uh, there's a guy named on friends, uh, that passed away, uh, yeah. uh Matthew Perry, mm -hmm. there was a bunch of interviews and stuff that went around afterwards, you know, after he paid, he'd passed. And, and that, that was one of the things that he'd said as an alcoholic, like I can't control the, I can't control the first, but I can't control the second. Like, yeah. I, you know, if I'm not going to, you know, drink, it's up to me yeah. to stop it. Right. It is. It is. And it is, I mean, and recognizing, recognizing what's going on, I began to really shift how I viewed bulimia as well. My, my bulimic Aaron was my friend. And anytime I feel anxiety, anytime I feel that that, cause it's almost like I get an anxiety around food. I don't have it anymore, but if that shows up, that's, that's my friend saying, Hey, you're not paying attention to something going on right now. So stop for a second. Like if you're somebody who struggles with alcohol, struggles with drugs or smoking, whatever, when it shows up for you, what's going on, what's causing you to be like, I need to fill something. I need to like, something's going on in my life. And so I really began to look at her more as a friend when she showed up, if that anxiety started kicking in and be like, okay, what am I not paying attention to what's going on right now? You know, what does little Aaron need? What does little bulimic Aaron need that I'm not honoring, right? So that became shifting that narrative too. Instead of this negative, horrible thing I was trying to battle, it was like, no, it's just little Aaron. And this is her way of trying to deal with stuff. And she likes to eat because she used to get attention when she ate. And so what's happening right now? And I think I think that was a really big turning point as well. My mom and I wrote a book together. So it's called Bulimia to Balance. And we did number one on Amazon. And in there, it's a workbook. So it's on there now. So you can have my whole stories in there. And it's also a workbook to help women who are kind of dealing with food and issues. And I talk a lot about that, about the shifting the narrative that bulimia is my friend or whatever it is you're dealing with, looking in a different light. Interesting. What, yeah. what did you want to do as a kid, like in high school? I wanted to be famous. <laughs> my girlfriend and I talk about that. And I'm like, oh my god, so embarrassing. Um, I went to acting and singing. I have a demo CD as well. I used to sing and play guitar. Yeah, um, yeah and I think it's funny now. I I look at what I'm doing now. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I wake up every morning super excited to take on the day, and that I get to do what I'm doing and hopefully help women live a better life. And I go to bed excited that I get to wake up the next day and do what I do. So um, it's, I also, I also tell people all the time, like if I win the lottery, I'm not going to be a person that disappears. You're all of a sudden going to see like thousands of Aaron wellness products. <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, yeah, I can do this. I can do big. Right. So yeah, I love, I just love what I'm doing. Yeah. That's great. And your, and yeah. your website, AaronWellness.com, like, holy, wow. Are there some people showing you love on that website? Thanks. Oh my God. Like yeah. Some of the quotes are insane. Yeah, we've got changing some, people's lives straight up. Yeah, it has been really. I mean, the big thing with Aaron Wellness, and this is how we, um, I mean, this is the huge differentiating factor and got me on Dragon's Den in 2022. And I walked away with three offers. 
And how, what that was is we have a program with every product. So when you scan that QR code on the label, it takes you to two meal plans, workouts, videos, affirmations, education, and that all comes from the five pillars, right? So I'm not saying I don't have a magic pill. I wish I did, but what it is doing, it is, it is giving the consumer the support they need to make the habit changes to have sustainable health and wellness. What this also does too is for the consumer, for the retailers, if they're busy in store or if they have new staff, because a lot of times transient, you got like kids coming in or people working, they can scan it and watch the video. Every product has a 60 second video where I, Coles Notes tell you exactly what this product does. It's lowered our return rate for one thing because people know what they're buying, right? And then also we've just had incredible success with people who actually scan the QR code, use the recipes, do the workouts, really learn about whatever issue they're buying in, like they're buying the product to help them alleviate. So they're like, oh, okay, hormonal health. Oh, and we have a thing on perimenopause and PMS. And then we go into the four cycles of a woman's cycle. Then we go into, like, we just have so much content in there to help educate the consumer. So that's a really um, big, a huge differentiating factor. That's what got me on Dragon's Den because I'm the only one doing something like that. And three offers. That's yeah, insane. yeah. I said yes to Arlene. I knew I wasn't yeah. going to take the offer anyway, so I was never going to give anybody part of my company. Yeah. Um, I'm 100% bootstrapped and I own it all. And um, and eventually, I will, you know, obviously need to have maybe possibly somebody come in outside investment. Eventually, I'd rather not. I'd rather keep it in myself as much as I can. That's what the true value is, I think. But um, we had some great conversations. I talked with her for over a year. So before you go on the show, I mean, you could tell them you're making $20 million a year. They have no, they don't do any due diligence before the show. It's Mm -hmm. after the show, when you meet with your dragon, that then they start doing due diligence. And I wanted them to come back and give me the offer because they could come back and see that everything doesn't add up and be like, oh, we're not your company's not doing this. We're not offering you. So December, we filmed in May, December, they came through, they offered me everything. And I said, no, thank you very much. I just wanted to kind of get through it all. And I also wanted to see how she went about it. I had several meetings with her. She's lovely. She, I have the utmost respect for her. Um, because I know when I get to a certain point, I really want to work with female entrepreneurs as well. Mm-hmm. And I already do. I do a lot of mentorship, but I want to I'd like to be able to invest in somebody else and not be the person that's like slay, slugging away in the field. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You right? know? So, Can't um, bust your ass all the time. Like. Right? I can just like watch and support and, you know, watch my money grow. Um, but when they came back in December and they said, no, what I did was I took the episode and I went to the bank and I asked for $100,000. And then the bank, you know, I said, you got to watch the video. You can understand the business. And they came back with a million questions. And I say, you didn't watch the video, did you? And he's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, give my, give me seven minutes, watch it. And he came back. He's like, I totally get your business now. He goes, okay. And I got a hundred thousand dollars from the bank without giving up anything. I have a high interest rate, but (laughs) (laughs) I have to give up 25%, which, you know, that works out in the end too. So, Mm. so yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, Aaron, let's get outside of what you're known for health and wellness and and get to know you a little bit here. Okay. Music in your house as a kid. Christian music. We were super Christians. <laughs> so yeah. I wasn't, yeah. So it would have been Amy Grant for yeah. sure. Amy Grant. Um, Vince Gill. Yeah. yeah. We didn't listen to Vince Gill's. It would have been Amy Grant was really big because she was super Christian back in the day. Yeah. So that was probably, I mean, I'm trying to think. We didn't have television. My parents sure. were very, we yeah, we didn't have TV. My parents were super Christian for quite a while. I was homeschooled. 
Um, we lived in uh, Chase inside Turtle Valley, which is like 30 kilometers in from Chase, BC. So <laughs> it was, yeah. Wow, so, so small, yeah. small town. It wasn't even a town. It's just but like a valley. Corporation or something. Yeah, it's just like a valley. But we had horses and, and you know, the other local girl, she was homeschooled too. We horseback The rode. other local girl. Is like, well, when I moved in, I remember our parents brought us to meet each other because she had no friends. And they're like, here's your friend. And, you know, you're at an age. We're like, yay. She was like three years old. And I'm like, we're best friends. And that was, you know, that was it. So. Yeah, no, we did a lot of church stuff. So lots of church songs is what I know. So Okay. And what was your first concert you went to? Madonna in Toronto. And that was the Vogue Ambition Tour concert. When I think that was the highlight to me, that was one of her highest points when she... Sure. My aunt called me and said, I bought you a ticket. Would you like to come to Madonna? I'd never been to Toronto. I'd always been a really bigger girl. I remember walking down Young Street for the very first time with her. And a guy looked at me and he said something like, hey, beautiful. And I was like because he was talking to me. I'd never had that before. And I looked at my aunt. I said, I'm going to move here one day. And then I moved there five years later. <laughs> so, well, how old were you for that? Because like Madonna, I'm just thinking about that, like a prayer video. And like that was, pushed some buttons with the church. It did. Well, even, yeah, I did. And just her Vogue. I mean, like I can still yeah, vote. Like everything day. about her, I guess, kind yeah. of push buttons. Right? Yeah. I mean, I still, I mean, she was actually just in town and I actually didn't even realize it. I went to her concert here a couple of years ago and it wasn't the same. I just didn't. Yeah. It wasn't the same thing anymore. Um, but yeah, it was a fantastic concert. I remember I had to go by myself because my aunt had two tickets, but we couldn't go the same day. So I had to navigate and I was 14. I had to navigate, you know, taking the streetcars, getting to it by myself and wow. all of that, which was a really great experience. I was always very independent to a certain degree, even though I was kind of sheltered and the same thing I've done for my daughter. She's very independent as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no TV as a kid, but like, TV now what, what do you what yeah. do you when you find time what are you binging <laughs> well I'm embarrassed to say but love is blind has started again this year so mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm horrible I love that show we power watched it yesterday the other day my daughter and I were like oh my god yeah um I actually don't watch a lot of TV when I come home I usually put stuff on that I don't have to focus on so I can work so I'm always I always got yeah. my laptop and I'm always working you, you strike me like you and I are very same in, in that regard. Like when I, I go to BCIT and I do my gig, I come home, kiss my wife, hug my kids, try to find time for them. And then otherwise I'm just fucking working all the yeah. time. Like I work yeah. all the time with this podcast, interviews, editing, social media, like all that shit. Like you, I don't have, do you have people on the side that are kind of helping out or anything? Like, I have contract workers. I had somebody ask me this the other day. I was meeting somebody for a lunch. And they're like, so how long do you do this all by yourself? Like what's, and I'm like, well, I have people who I have contract workers right. and I think I'm going to try to do it as long as possible. I think there's this pressure to, um, for one in, I think in entrepreneur land, it's pressure to get investors. Everybody's like, get investors. Like there's always hearing people about getting, you know, angel funding and all this stuff going on. And sure, then there's, that sounds great. Pressure, like, right? sure. And then you have to give up percentages. And then there's always that, you know, that you need to have a big team working for you. And I literally have everybody as contract workers and they're awesome. And eventually maybe down the road, but for the most part, I run everything. So I do, I mean, my social media girl, we're filming content today, but I go in and get all the recipes, get everything organized, get, you know, and she'll come over, we film and, you know, we kind of work through stuff together. I have a great Amazon person. I have a great distributor, a great sales team, but they're all contract. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm the only employee. 
And I had to pay employment taxes the other day. So I can't even imagine having like employees of like a hundred people, the amount of taxes I would be paying the government. I know you insane. Die in taxes. Like insane. Like yeah. I can't even imagine how much, you know, employment yeah. taxes you pay every month. So that's <laughs> <laughs> crazy, right? Uh, Aaron, how about sports? Are you, are you following the Vancouver Canucks in their awesome season? Um, I'm not much of a hockey person. Um, I will watch if I, you know, if somebody wants to take me and take me to a box, I will gladly. So anybody out there, cool would like box. To to a box, I will go. Um, <laughs> um, I really, I have to say this year, the Super Bowl, we got so into it. It's so funny. The Taylor Swift effect. We were so into it. The game was so good. Yeah, right? it really so was. It was yeah. Such a fantastic freaking game. Yeah. Um, so Did they really say like something that. like seventy percent more women eighteen yes. to thirty four or some shit like that? Like seventy yeah. percent, yeah. Man. Like what one person, yeah. And just even I saw this one commercial. I don't remember what the name of the company was, but they showed like how a dad and daughter would begin like watch the game together, and how it's that Taylor Swift effect is bringing people together. And I just thought how incredible for her to know that she's created relationships between dads and daughters who maybe never had a connection, right? Maybe they don't know how to talk and it's kind of the awkward teenage years, but Taylor Swift is on, she'll come sit and watch yeah. the game with him, right? And how that's really branched. And I thought just to be her, to know you've done something that would just be such an incredible feeling. Um, but I love basketball. Um, mm. You know, I don't mind football as well. I'll go to the Lions game. My, you know, girlfriend's husband is one of the VPs. So we get good seats. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Yeah, it's the got a good seat, is, so. If you get me good seats, I will go to yeah. anything and share. Thing them is, off. if you get her in good seats, she's in. I am, I'm in did, anything. So, did you see <laughs> many of the games uh, when we had the the Grizzlies in town? Like that was no, so I wasn't here at the time. Oh, I was in, in Toronto. No, I lived in Toronto oh. at the time. Yeah, so, so you watch a lot of Raptors then. Obviously, I do. I like yeah. the Raptors. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, yeah. So, and going to a live game is great, especially when you're you know right down. That's where the action is. The energy is very, very different than being nosebleeds. That's why I say good seats. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. All right, Aaron, I'll respect your time. Two more questions and I'll, okay, I'll wrap sure. this up. Yeah. Not necessarily a question. It's more of a story. I want to know, do you have a story where you almost died? A near death story where like, holy shit, I could have died there. Oh, um, God. The, I mean, the one thing I can think about is I remember years ago in my 20s, it's actually not a good story, but years ago in my 20s, my girlfriend and I went down to Buffalo, New York, went out for the night, met these guys, and they ended up actually um, kind of kidnapping us to a certain degree. The one guy took her upstairs and I was in the car with the other guy, I had a gun on me. And um, it was terrifying. I remember I had, I was basically pretending I had a kid and telling this whole story. So then, and the guy raped my girlfriend upstairs and then um, drove us to the border, and then they got out and made, and we drove across, and that would have been my near death experience. Holy so, yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't think you're expecting that, but I know I was not expecting. I was yeah, like, I've had chased pretty, by a bear, you know, <laughs> something I've like that. Pretty, but like, I've that's nuts. Like, what well, yeah. the time frame for that? Like, how, how long did it that? Hours. Last? It was hours. I was in the car for hours with him downstairs. Yeah. And he had money. The other guy. And I thought then I was going to be next. Yeah. And I don't know if it was the conversation. I remember I was trying to talk to him and asking him if he had kids and he told me he did sure. have kids. And so I said, my daughter's the same age. And so I kind of made this narrative. So then he'd hopefully see a little bit of myself in possibly the mother of his kids. Yeah. Um, wow. and so nothing happened with me. Yeah. Nothing happened with me. Her and I are still good friends. We were friends for many, many years. She never spoke about it after. I mean, and no. she was married too, right? So it was there was a whole thing beyond that as well. 
So yeah, she doesn't live in the country anymore. But so we, yeah, it was terrifying when I think about it now. That was funny. That was the first thing that came to my mind was that one. I was like, oh yeah, wow. I haven't thought about that for a while. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is insane. What a crazy yeah. story. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> could be right. the easiest, could be the hardest. Okay. Hit us with your career highlight. Oh gosh, I have so many. Um, winning, winning Launchpad at CHFA was definitely a career highlight. So we won Innovative Product of the Year with Up and Away, which is our 100% boric acid. I was the very first company in Canada to launch a kit with an applicator in a box. Um, and Okay, I'll tell you the story behind it because I spoke about it the other day at the summit. So I told, I spoke at the summit for the forum and I talked about rock bottoms. And I said, one of my rock bottoms, my favorite, this is my favorite rock bottom. So it's my favorite rock bottom, but my favorite highlight as well. So I had been dating somebody for quite some time. We had a long-term monogamous relationship. He didn't get the memo on that. Right. Um, in the last kind of gave it away there, yeah. relationship, he was with everybody. And the worst part was everybody knew but me. And I remember crying to my mom on the phone and just like, I was devastated. My body ached, just like, I was just devastated. He lived with us. So it was my daughter that was affected as well. It was just awful. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm like, mom, everybody knew, like for everybody knew, but me, it was, it was so embarrassing. And, um, and then she's like, everything's going to be okay. I'm like, okay, it can't get any worse. But two weeks later, I found out he gave me chlamydia. So then, <laughs> so then I Two yeah. rounds of antibiotics just to be safe. So Clement, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But then what it ended up happening is it decimated my vaginal pH. So a woman's vagina is supposed to be a 3.5, super acidic. If it becomes more alkaline, that's when you become a yeast infection. That's she discharge uncomfortable, no fun. That's around a five, right? So we're 3.5. It goes up to around a five. That's, that's yeast infection. If it becomes more alkaline. You get bacterial vaginosis. So no, all your listeners are like, wonderful. What are we learning today? Um, so there's no. They're like, what a way to wrap this up. <laughs> no itchy and uncomfortable, but it, there's a smell to it. It's still no fun. So after round and round of antibiotics for that six months worth, I finally scored an appointment with a gynecologist and I walked in and like shared my vaginal and emotional woes and everything. And she just was like, boric acid. I'm like, what? And she's like, boric acid. The time nobody sold any. So I drove from pharmacy to pharmacy to pharmacy, finding somewhere to compound it for me. And I got my boric acid, put it in my you know little drawer. It worked within two days. It was amazing. I was like, wow, this stuff is incredible. Mm -hmm. Fast forward five years later, I'd started Aaron Wellness. I was driving across the Lionsgate Bridge just before you hit the lines when you're coming into downtown. Mm -hmm. And this thought came to my mind. It was like, is anybody selling boric acid? Because it wasn't a prescription. I scored the NPN for it. Um, natural product number, which is what you have to have. I struggled with the name because a lot of the name in that category are vaggie or gyna. And I'm like, not doing that. I was making my bed. And in my mind, I went up, up and away as I threw my duvet in the air. And I was like, it's up and away because you put it up and it goes away. It's a vaginal suppository. <laughs> so four months later, I found myself on stage pitching to 150 retailers and judges. It's kind of like our version of Dragon's Den. And I had the, on the screen, whenever the word vagina came up, everybody had to scream vagina, which you don't know how many, how much people love to scream that word. Um, so everybody screamed vagina and I went on to win $25,000. I won innovative product of the year. And I was able to dedicate it to Michaela, my daughter, because she is the one who sacrifices the most in this, in my venture, because I'm always 
focusing on work. So that would have been a high moment, but it was a rock bottom. So I also say this too. I'm like, I've never been so happy that somebody cheated on me and gave me chlamydia. It's my number three best-selling product. I make a ton of money on it. I've <laughs> helped women all across Canada. And the irony is he owns a health food store now. And I've always wondered if he carries up and away and he has no idea that it came from him. <laughs> right. He very well could. That would so, be hilarious. That is definitely, that was definitely a highlight and a, and a great story to always know that these rock bottom moments when we think there is no hope, that they are the moments we can learn and grow and we need them. Whenever I get one now, when I have something really challenging show up, I'm like, okay, what am I going to learn this time? So I view it in a very different light. Yeah. So. <laughs> you are a freaking superhero, Aaron. Oh my God. What a crazy life. What a crazy story. You got a great story. I love Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm working on the book. Trust me. The book is interesting. <laughs> nice. Uh, you are at Aaron Bella Ashley on Instagram, uh, AaronWellness.com for your website. Yep. Aaron Wellness for Instagram. Subscribe to our newsletter. We actually have uh, tons of information. We have a new perimenopause uh, manual we're putting together. We're going to be giving out. So um, I welcome people to subscribe. They can look at our events page, find out where I'm speaking. And it's spelled A-E-R-Y-O-N. So like people think it's Arian, but it's Aaron. Yeah. Just to throw a curveball. Well, you know, you got to try to be different. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, thank you again. Have a great day. So and uh, we'll tag you when we're chucking the stuff around online. Perfect. Thank you so much. The Toddcast Podcast. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and at toddhancock.ca. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.